are looking for a happy place, you have found it. This is the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. Glad that you have joined us once again for another edition of the podcast that is trying to help you reach your peak happiness through powerful positive psychology, relatable insights and stories, and maybe having a little bit of fun along the way as well. We're not above it. We're glad that you are joining us wherever you are in the world, however you may be listening, and we're so glad to be a part of the Live Happy family. The new magazine is on newsstands now. Got Dolly Parton on the cover, at least at the time of recording. That's the new magazine, and we're very excited about it. Got some good stuff in there, including uh, from our guest on the podcast today. More on that coming up in just a little bit. We also want to thank our partner, Life Reimagined. Their website, lifereimagined.org slash happy is just filled with all kinds of things that you can use in your daily life to help you reach that peak happiness. Processes, resources, and the like, all there for you. LifeReimagined.org slash happy. They say as you awaken to the power of happiness, so do your dreams. So what's next? Find out at LifeReimagined.org. Well, our guest today is Dr. Michael Finkelstein, also known as the Slow Medicine Doctor, author of Slow Medicine, Hope and Healing for Chronic Illness. F- Dr. Finkelstein has been featured in the New York Times and on CNN and offers both a micro and macro point of view on today's healthcare needs and challenges. In this episode, Live Happy COO, co-founder and editorial director Deborah Heiss joins Dr. Finkelstein to discuss the definition of forgiveness and some tools for releasing stress from traumatic experiences or toxic personalities. Dr. Finkelstein, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I am really excited to have you on on the podcast. One of the things I'm really excited about is your column that's coming up in uh, the November-December issue where you talk about uh, the slow medicine approach to forgiveness. I'm really excited to have that as a piece of the magazine. But I think our, our readers and our listeners would like to know a little bit more about slow medicine and what the concept is. Could you, could you give us a brief overview of slow medicine? Absolutely. In our lives, you know, we're moving so quickly. The world around us is in this rush, 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 fast is better mode that that actually affects our physical being. Cells on every level are rushing as well, just the way our mind is. And so when we think about illness, when we think about our ailments and diseases, and we want to heal them, what we really need is slow. If fast is the disease, then slow is the medicine. And so The concept of slow medicine is to bring awareness to the fact that if there's anything we can do to cultivate a rebalance of what I'll call the fight-or-flight response in response to the fast world, the sympathetic overdrive, if we can touch and develop the parasympathetic complementary system that slows that down, shuts that off, we can help our healing. We not only feel it in terms of how our lives unfold, we have more energy, we have more life, uh, but ourselves actually resolve many of the things that truly ail us. So essentially what you're saying is slow medicine approach is a way to combat what has become a very hectic and chronic world where we're basing a lot of our life on how fast we can go and how much we can get done and reframing it in a way that, um, you know, slowly appro- a slow approach to healing. Is that what you're saying? No, the approach to healing is slow. It's not a slow approach to healing. In fact, this is the, I say in my book, it's the best quick fix for your health. You know, I actually don't believe quick fixes the way we think of them, like a pill um, or procedure work, but there is a way of living that is the most effective and the quickest way to get to the other side of this vast world, and that's learning to live in balance. It's not to become slow and sluggish, though. It's just, by contrast, a little slower than the way the world actually moves us. Um, If you think about it, despite all the modern advances in technology, including medicine, 
We're still suffering collectively on the planet from more chronic illnesses and diseases than ever before. What is that? Why is that? We can point to the environment and the toxins. We can point to, you know, a lot of things, you know, infections and strange diseases and, and natural, you know, cataclysms that are hurting us. But the fact of the matter is the way our bodies respond to any of those things is jeopardized by the fact that we're in this rush, 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 sympathetic overdrive state. And that is making anything we're exposed to more likely to hurt us. So the antidote is to come back into balance, which is to learn essentially to, to breathe, to get back into a rhythm that is much more uh, is essential to our healing, our wholeness. That is something I think a lot of us struggle with. You know, uh, we spend a lot of time focused on, I got to get here, I got to get there. You know, I've got three kids. They got to go to soccer practice. I got to go to work. They got to go home. So the slow medicine approach is changing the way you live your life, not changing the way that you approach healing. It's through changing the way you approach everything to bring your life back into balance and therefore live a healthier life. You got it. That's exactly it. It's, you know, without sounding like it should be something that's overwhelming, it does touch on every aspect of our lives. And that's sort of essential. You could you know, work your physical body into perfection, right? You learn, you know, you can train to run a marathon. But if you have nobody to eat dinner with, you hate your job, um, you know, you're not healthy. You're not as healthy as you think you are. So to be healthy, we need to touch on those things, which include very much our relationships. So what do we want our physical body to be in good shape for? We want it so that we can enjoy the world around us and the people that we live with. Well, that certainly is something we talk about a lot here at Live Happy. But one of the things that we, uh, we're talking about as we're coming up in this holiday season is we're going to be spending a lot of time with family, family that we don't spend a lot of time with throughout the year. And not all of us have really positive relationships with our extended family. In fact, many of us don't have good relationships at all. One of the concepts that uh, we struggle with here is how to be around people that don't necessarily bring positivity into your life. How do you approach those family dinners with that mother who always criticized you or the uncle who just is an impossible person to be around because he hates the rest of the world? Sure. You know, our families of origin in particular, you know, in which we are born generally are the source of a lot of love and warmth and special memories. But they also create intentionally or unintentionally wounds. Um, People treat us a certain way or talk to us a certain way. And sometimes that's usually that's. Uh, unintentional and the best effort of our limited parents, like we ourselves are, are, are not perfect. Sometimes, however, as we know, you know, abuse is directed and is, I wouldn't say necessarily intentional, but it's certainly, uh, there's not really a way to condone it or even explain it or excuse it. Uh, but in either of those circumstances, people grow up with various types of wounds that they experience. And often that leads to, as I see in my practice, people feel affected. They almost in a way, may develop low self-esteem or self-hatred, uh, and they feel themselves unworthy of good health and, and to be nourished in good relationships. These are the types of things that happen to us that mold our personalities and our way of interacting in the world, and they linger in our system. As we age, we may recognize them mentally, emotionally. We may see them in relationships that are rocky. Uh, we may have difficult memories, and I see people develop diseases as a result of some of those wounds because the mental processes that we're affected by, especially those that are deep and traumatic, actually can stimulate the cells of our body to do things that or make them vulnerable to do things um, that lead to what we now see as, you know, disease. So 
the wounds, these are wounds. So you can be cut by a knife, you can be infected by a bacteria, or you can be screamed at enough times as a young child to develop, you know, a sensitivity, a sore point that becomes part of who you are. What are some tools that you found that allow people to get through this core wounding? How do they move through this to have a more positive outlook or to have it, at least at basic level, quit affecting their physical health? Well, putting this again, as you said, into the context of slow medicine, which is to understand that the healing that we need when we identify something that hurts us um, is to touch on enough aspects of ourselves to improve how our cells on the physical level you know, respond to an injury. Um, what's interesting, those wounds, you know, when it comes to families, also affect our mind and our mental emotional state. So we see on several levels already that we can, there are manifestations of those insults. And so the first aspect, uh, to answer your question, is awareness. It's just understanding that this is really happening, that there are real phenomena, um, and that uh, sort of accepting the fact um, that while psychotherapy can be useful, couples counseling and family counseling can be useful, we also need to take care of our physical body. We need to identify where in the world we fit, meaning what is our personal life purpose. Um, we need to develop other relationships, friends, community. We have to have a relationship with the natural world and the rhythms and cycles of nature. Most people want to and appreciate a divine principle and have a practice there. And so to actually help heal the relational issues, we want to touch on all those other things. So the practices include, you know, there's a number of them, but what I help people do to cultivate this inner peace and tranquility is a number of different things, like writing or practicing meditation, or people can become, you know, um, devoted to, uh, you know, a skill set, whether that's athletic or creative. Um, people can, you know, learn to teach, they could be a student, you know, to study something that they're interested in. People raise their own families and obviously can devote themselves to others, whether that's their own children or aging people or community. All those practices help build back in belief in oneself that they are valuable and worthy of health and wholeness. It's about acknowledging and then moving forward and engaging in something that will bring wholeness to your life, but will bring you back to a, a place of self-esteem. So acknowledging that this happened, it damaged your self-esteem or your self-worth, and then engaging in something that will that you want to engage in that will bring you back to a level of self-worth. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, in part. I mean, one is to recognize that often when we feel badly about ourselves, that's not our own voice. Those, those words, those, those you know, thoughts and ideas are often, you know, spoken to us when we're at impressionable times in our life. And so it's to discriminate, you know, that, you know, fact from fiction. And then to, but to understand that there was a wound as a result of the words uh, or the treatment or the abuse. And so to heal doesn't mean necessarily to forget, doesn't mean to ignore it, but it means, you know, on the highest purpose of why we're here, why we even suffer, the question is how can we convert, transform this into um, something that grows, that's meaningful, that has purpose. How can I take what happened to me and make the world more beautiful? There are ways of doing that. There are people we know who are inspiring to us because they show us that it can be done. 
And so for each individual, though, it can be very challenging. And the idea is to recognize it and to seek out uh, practices, other people, teachers, guides, community that support us in that process of growth and development so that that wound, you know, like the dirt and the soil transforms into a beautiful flower one day. So back to the dinner table at Thanksgiving or the holiday dinner or the overwhelming guilt you feel when everybody else is talking about how they're going to see their favorite grandmother and you just can't bear to do it. Um, how do you how do you move through that? How do you get to where you can I'm going to use the word forgiveness um, in terms of how do how do people find a way to forgive the damage that's been done in the past and to move forward or forgive the people um, that are involved in that? Well, you know, the first part is your own personal work. You know, obviously, you know, you're going to be exposed again, and that's going to be triggering, if not, you know, directly insulting. And so you can anticipate it the way we can anticipate a hurricane. So what do you do? Well, you know, it's coming. So you start looking around inside your house, and you shore up those areas that are maybe weak and vulnerable. You make sure your pantries are stocked, that you've got nourishment, physically nourishment, you've got water. So we're no different in this situation. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to be well hydrated. We need to be well nourished in terms of the food we normally consume and that how we you know, go through our days and movement activities and how we develop and cultivate the other positive relationships in our life. Um, then we may need to acquire practices to deal with the wind when it blows hard, like, you know, to breathe, to let things fall off our back because we know it's coming. And so those practices are done way ahead of time, not the night before necessarily, although obviously that's when most people start thinking about it. But the idea is not to wait for the storm, but to have your house in shape all day, all year, because you never know when it's coming, quite honestly. Thanksgiving as a ho- and the holidays in general are predictable. Um, so it's a good time to spend, you know, taking out your garbage, writing emotionally laden material like a journal or stream of consciousness writing. Get stuff out before you wind up going in the room so that your cup is already half empty. Um, and then when it comes at you, because you can anticipate that it might, you breathe. You also can take a whole other perspective on it. Like, why is this happening? Why does it even bother happening? It's not just that these people are bad or evil. They, too, were raised by people in their lives when they were young and probably damaged much the same that they damage us. It just gets trickled down. So can you be the person who breaks the cycle? Can you rise above this? Can you be the leader? Can you, instead of just, you know, responding the way you have in the past, and the way it's sort of justified to respond, which is, you know, if somebody pokes me, I'm going to recoil. I might poke them back. Um, But can you steady yourself in such a way that you can truly rise above it and be inspirational and create healing among a family? This ultimately releases this energy, which often is very, you know, intergenerational. Release the energy. That's how I would define forgiveness. It's not forgetting. It's not accepting even it's releasing the energy that trickles down into ourselves that actually does you know percolate in our system and and sort of cause trouble so it's really forgiveness as a concept of releasing that out of yourself so that you're not continually damaged by the past or what's going on it's really about forgiving for you not forgiving for them which 
which leads to a, another important concept which you discussed in the article, which is, does forgiving have to re- lead to reconciliation? Well, you know, it can. There, there are maybe two types of, or you know, two or three types of situations. One is, you know, you're close to reconciling. You know, it's just like an old little spat you may have with your sister, and, you know, you probably can both talk about it and even laugh about it, how each carries this on, you know, with their ego and everything else. And just by speaking about it once, one can really get past it and deepen a relationship. So there's those, that's the low hanging fruit. That's the stuff which actually is, is worth doing because it's the easiest of all of these. And if you build back that type of relationship, then, like I said before, you know, part of being able to deal with the difficult stuff is to take care of the easy stuff, take care of your house first. So this is one thing that can be done, but then there are other relationships, um, where it's more complicated. It's sort of a chronic situation. A parent to a child, you know, that uncle who's just a jerk, um, and, you know, it's just inappropriate, and you really don't like it, and it's not your values, and it's not your way, and you've been dealing with it your whole life. Um, you know, to consider reconciliation then would require two people, really. So you may not get that type of response that I was talking about with your sister about a little spat with your you know, jerk of an uncle. So, but you could try. But before you would start that, you would also, you know, prepare yourself. You would also get yourself in good shape so that you can hold space for somebody who maybe is a little bit more reactive than you. Um, And to express yourself, express your desire to be back in a state of harmony and peace, how important it is. Um, See what may be your part in the process, if there was one. Um, and initiate the conversation with, I recognize I am not perfect, or this or that. Sometimes that's helpful. This is the middle zone. This is not somebody who's abused you. This is somebody who just really has their own way that is um, distasteful or annoying. Um, And you can conceivably get back to some degree of reconciliation there. And I, I challenge people to try because it's so wonderful when it happens. It restores such harmony and wholeness. Again, the word health, is from the Anglo-Saxon root word, halen, which means whole. So if we think of health differently than just not having a disease or getting past or, you know, getting our blood pressure lower or not having cancer anymore, but we see it as a state of wholeness, it's those physical things plus really good relationships. The third, you know, which might be, you know, the category which is an abusive relationship, you know, frankly, I don't think reconciliation is the issue here. Um, it, you, one cannot condone certain behaviors. I mean, you could, but you can forgive. And this is when you get to your point, which is forgiveness is for you in that scenario. This allows you to release how that energy has affected yourself. Um, Can you, you know, just, you know, in a way, as difficult as it may be, say, I am going to find a way to keep myself as whole as possible and to um, live on and not allow this energy to plague me any further. That is much more difficult, very challenging, um, and usually takes some support, but it also can be done. This is the inspirational people who somehow rise above tremendously difficult circumstances in their lives, meaning in, in terms of how other people have treated them. That's very good advice. I get frequently get asked uh, when I'm being interviewed, you know, how do you forgive? You know, because we talk about forgiveness as one of the tenets of living happy. And I frequently get asked that question. And I think that's probably one of the best responses I've heard. It's letting go of the energy. I really love that as a response. Yeah, well, that's what it is. Everything is energy, quite honestly. You know, anything that hurts us, um, you know, there are physical properties to it as well. But even the physics imply that there's an energy. That's how 
you know, a bullet penetrates a wall. It's energy. It's, yeah, it, there's a mass object, it's true, that goes through it, but something propels it. Um, and, you know, this is the nature of life, is that we are affected by the energy. Now, energy can move physical objects, but it also has this other, other effect on us because we are much more sensitive than just physical. So we have these other components, which is our mind and our thoughts. And, in fact, that's where most of our life exists, what we think of it, how we feel about it. Um, you know, if we didn't know we have, you know, an infection for the first two days before it manifests, we don't know we're sick. We don't think we're sick. You know, two days later we get the flu because it was, you know, percolating in our system. So, you know, awareness makes it real. Um, so once it's that, we recognize that the, the opposite is true. We can get rid of the real physical phenomena if we work the energetics as well. It's not one or the other. It's sort of both, but it's not, you know, but there is definitely a strong energy component. And that's the good news because there's a lot of work we can do there. We don't even need the person to be present to do that. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Think about setting the intention and speaking to those people in your family right away who you know would appreciate this. So I'm sure there's a group, maybe a minority, but maybe there's two or three other people who could offer this as not only an intention that you do privately, but then maybe try at the meal that you sit down and consume to take a moment in addition to the usual prayers and, and offerings of, of gratitude Talk about the healing nature of family and how profound it can be and how everyone usually is hurt in a family in one way or another. And if we can devote ourselves in some little way, each and every one, to get further along the course and support each other in our growth and evolution. Imagine if all the families in your community were doing that same thing, how much healing there would be and then how that would affect the world. That would be my wish. Well, Dr. Finkelstein, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I want to encourage all of our listeners to go to slowmedicine.org and check out the Slow Medicine Foundation. They'll be able to find information on a slow medicine approach to health and wellness there. I want to encourage all of them uh, to check that out because I do think that you're on to something, that it's uh, changing your way of life by slowing down a little bit to improve your health and all aspects of your life. Very interesting stuff from Dr. Michael Finkelstein and Deborah Heinz. Well, if you'd like to purchase a copy of Slow Medicine, Hope and Healing for Chronic Illnesses, or get a free sketch note from this episode, please visit livehappynow.com. And if you have heard anything that you've taken away from this episode that you think is going to help you, or you've heard some things that haven't been on an episode, and you'd like to hear them on an episode, we'd like to hear that too. You can reach out to us in a multitude of ways on Twitter at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy. You can find us on Instagram if a picture would help by going and searching my Live Happy, or you can send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. For Dr. Michael Finkelstein and for Deborah Heiss, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long and remember to always live happy.